Well, um, we are ending our series in First Peter. We want to live unmistakable lives. Uh, unmistakable, can, cannot be mistaken, duh, that's kind of obvious. Lives that stand out. Lives that are clear. Unmistakable means bold, courageous. And we've walked through a lot in this letter. We're going to read the final verses. But uh, just a reminder for next week, please, everyone be here in person. Pastor Peter Kasiravu is one of the godliest people I've ever met. We've served together for 21 years. He is a leader of leaders, planted uh, literally hundreds of churches in Uganda, leads a network of close to a thousand churches all over that country, and is doing so much Jesus good. You'll be inspired just by being in the room with him. And he's got a word to, uh, from God for us. So don't miss next Sunday. Uh, but today is Mother's Day, and like Stephen was saying, that's challenging uh, for, for many, and it's a blessing for some. But there are lots of challenges. So what does God have to say to everyone, whether you're a mom or not, struggling or not? We're going to begin where we ended last week. I'm going to put it on the screen. The verse that we read at the end last week is so appropriate for today. Cast all your anxiety on him, King Jesus, because he cares for you. Let me just read it again. Cast, how much? All of your cares and worries. That's anxiety. Cares and worries on Jesus because he cares for you. So our invitation, if you want to live an unmistakable, bold, clear, courageous life, in whatever way God has positioned you, it's going to require that you deal with your worry and, and your care about things that are real. And we, as God's people, have a unique privilege, friends. And I want to remind you, as we kind of summarize this letter, that you and I get to, because we're in right relationship with God, we get to bring them to the one who loves us and can care better than we can, and can answer in ways that we, we could never. So friend, God cares for you. You're invited today to put those things on him. Now, since it's Mother's Day, uh, we have a special message here from the end of First Peter, and I've entitled it, Dealing with the Devil. Dealing with the devil. You think I'm kidding? Uh, I'm not. Today we want to remind ourselves, enjoy brunch, moms. Uh, we want to learn how to deal with the devil. And it's your day, so I want to remind you what you already know. There are all sorts of things coming against you in your role and your calling and your mission in life. And there are all sorts of things coming against the young ones that you love and have invested your life in. And if we're going to be unmistakable people, we are going to have to recognize the reality of the battle that we are in. So let's just read First Peter. We'll read the end of, uh, end of the letter. We'll start in verse uh, 8. It says, be sober uh, and be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered for a little while, will himself restore you, and he will make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Let's just, we're not going to focus on it, but I want to read the end of the letter because it gives a final word. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I've written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true 
grace of God. And this is, by the way, we said in week one, a summary statement of the whole letter. Stand fast, or you could translate it, stand firm in it. Stand fast in it. Stand firm in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. You could do that on the way out. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. I want to remind you today of three important things. When I say dealing with the devil, some of you are like, you got to be kidding me. No, I'm not. Three things that if you are a Jesus follower, you need to remember if you're going to fulfill your calling, whether a mom or a parent or a student or a teenager, whatever, whatever your call is, don't forget that we're dealing with the devil. Three things you want to remember. Write them down. Number one, stay awake because the devil is working. Stay awake. Notice how it began. Be alert, which means to be in constant readiness. Be sober-minded. In other words, exercise self-restraint. There is a call to every one of us, and that's to be awake, to be alert, to, to not be loose in the way we live, to show some self-restraint, and here is why. Because there is an enemy. Now, he had already told him this, if you've been with us, First Peter 4, 7, I'll put it on the screen. The end of all things is near, therefore be alert and of sober mind. Why? So that you may do what? Pray. The reason we want to live awake is so that we can have our minds fixed on God, to have our attention fixed on Jesus and not fall asleep because the devil's never sleeping. And so moms and everyone else, we need to stay awake so that we can pray and we can pray and we can pray and we can pray. And let me just ask you, how are you doing in the beautiful rhythm of life of talking with God and receiving from God and hearing from God and praying and reading scripture, which are the very words of God. He's like, I don't know if God talks to me. Open the Bible. He's talking loud and clear. And so I read the Bible, which is my morning rhythm. And then I begin to pray the Bible. Whatever the Bible is leaning me into, I let the Bible just guide my thoughts with God. And then I'll sit in silence and say, God, is there anything I need to know about the day that I don't know about? Because we think we know. And we think we know the strategies of God and the strategies of the enemy. And friends, the call for you and me today is stay awake. And if you feel like you're asleep, then wake up because the devil is not falling asleep. Now, when we look at the Bible, I want us to take a couple of minutes and think about uh, what the Bible has to really tell us about our enemy. And there, there are lots of words. I'm using the word devil, but in the Bible you will see devil, Satan, evil one, serpent, tempter, dragon, ruler, prince of this age, enemy. For simplicity, I'm just going to use the same word, but all of these words are dealing with one entity. What does the Bible teach us about the devil? A couple of things you need to remember. The devil is real. Uh, not a, if you read the Bible seriously, the devil or Satan or the tempter is not a concept, not a, a force. The devil and demons uh, so there's not just one enemy, there's a whole army of them. The devil and demons are created beings. As in the same way, angels are created beings that are worshiping and serving God, and the devil and demons are created beings that are living in rebellion against God. If you read the Bible honestly and seriously, you don't underestimate the reality of the devil because the devil is real. 
And so don't buy into this modern concept that, that evil forces and powers are just a concept of our imagination and our way of explaining things we don't understand. I love the quote uh, by the scholar and writer C.S. Lewis of the previous century in his letter, uh, his book called The Screwtape Letters, which is fantastic. He says, quote, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves, speaking of the devils and the demons, are equally pleased by both of those errors, and they hail a materialist who says there is no spiritual reality, or a magician, the one who's infatuated with them, with the same delight. Um, end quote. We don't want to live ignorant. We don't want to live obsessed because the scriptures begin, you read the beginning of the Bible, you know the trajectory of the human race. With a garden, and God creates everything and calls it good. And he creates man and women in his image, in his likeness. And this creator is with his people in the garden, in the cool of the day, talking, sharing life, and pushing Adam and Eve to say, this is my garden, but I've given it to you. Now do something beautiful. I'm with you. And as they're doing life together, what happens? You read the Bible seriously, and there is the serpent. There is what I would call the devil who comes in a form that mystifies them and talks to Adam and Eve and causes them to disbelieve that God is good. And you know that when Adam and Eve don't stay awake, when they slumber when they sleep, when they listen to the enemy's voice instead of God's, it goes poorly for them. They sin and the garden is shattered and they're pushed out and life becomes hard and we are making our way, friends. That metaphor, that picture, that beautiful given concept of the garden and God and his people is what we're moving towards. We're moving towards that. God is going to make all things new. and There's new heavens and new earth and things are restored and the devil, the serpent, the tempter, the liar is going to be cast deep into the pit and removed forever. And people are going to live with God forever. Amen. This is the future. This is, oh, by the way, happy Mother's Day. This is so appropriate. You know what? Not only is the devil real, the devil, write this down, is evil. Jesus told us the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy and all the comedy we have about evil and forces and red and horns and pitchforks and all those funny things underestimate the reality of the opposition against the creator God. The devil and the demons hate the creator and anyone aligned with the creator. And if you follow Jesus, the devil is not your friend. The devil is out to destroy you. And so God's people aren't to play with these things. But here's the good news. You also need to remember the devil, write it down, is limited. The devil and demons are created beings. They can't be in more than one place at a time. They're not equal with God. This is not a toe-to-toe -to -toe battle at all. They're loud. They're obnoxious. They do have power. But the devil can't create anything. can only distort and destroy things that are already created. And so don't you forget Jesus person. Yeah, the devil is real and the devil is evil, but the devil is, the devil is limited. And when I say devil, I'm speaking of the devil and all of his forces, demonic powers and strongholds. 
God and the devil are not equals, and we have to remember that. And here's the greatest news. Write this down. The devil is defeated. Jesus changes everything, and in his death and resurrection, the power of the enemy was destroyed, is being destroyed, and will be destroyed forever. You don't believe me? 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared, I love this, John, thank you, was to what? Destroy the devil's work. That's why Jesus came. And some of us are wondering, did he just come to teach a better way? Absolutely. You want to know how to live? Follow Jesus. Well, you're looking for wisdom on how to live? Man, follow the way of Jesus. You're looking for power? Just consider what Jesus did while he was alive. I don't have time to get into it. Do you know that his miracles weren't just random acts of kindness? It were signposts of what he was going to do on the cross. The miracles of Jesus were the signposts was the devil's defeated in that life, in that life, in that life, in that life, and it culminated in Jesus' victory on the cross where the devil was defeated in full. So Jesus' miracles, his releasing people from oppression and powers, physical and real but non-material, what we would call spiritual. He was doing the work, leading and pointing to the great work on the cross. You say, Jose, well, where'd you, where'd you get that? Well, Paul tells us, Colossians 2. He, Jesus, forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us, and condemned us, and he's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And then notice the application. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. At the cross, the devil thought he won. The Son of God has now been killed and it's over he had no idea of the plans of the father and in the death of jesus the victory over the devil was made secure and so death itself which is the goal of the enemy he wants to steal and kill and to destroy that was defeated in full in Jesus' standing in our place. The righteous one taking the place of the unrighteous, you and me. And so Jesus rises from the grave and he is the great victor and his victory is real. Now, hear me. It doesn't mean the devil's not active. And this is where we can be confused sometimes. He is defeated and he knows that the the fruit of his defeat is, is coming soon at the return of Jesus. We studied in the Revelation. There's about 300 messages on the Revelation, probably 20 some odd, on the Revelation that we did here as a church. And we know that we're moving towards a day when Jesus will give a final judgment over all of humanity, including the powers. And the powers will be thrown into the deepest of pits, never to be seen again. But until then... They're making the most of their time. And they're trying to destroy as many of Jesus' people as they can. So what do we call do? The first thing, remember I said, we need to stay awake because the devil is real. Second thing that we need to do, kind of big idea from the end of Peter's letter is, and write this down, resist the devil by standing firm in Jesus. Verse 9. Resist him, 
standing firm in the faith. That's where I get in Jesus. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. Resist. Set yourself in opposition against. You could translate it oppose. What do we do do with the reality of of real, non-physical, but very real spiritual beings? What are we called to do? We are not called to be in alignment with them. We're not called to mock and make fun. We're not called to make little. We're called to resist, oppose. In other words, don't partner with the devil. And some of you are like, I'm just trying to have a little fun. Whoa. Who's leading your fun? Well, you say, well, well kind of everybody's doing it. Well, everyone doesn't have to be a fool. You don't have to be everybody. We, Jesus' people, are to stay alert, go to bed at night, you know, rest, but don't let your mind be duped that your movement into things that are against the way of Jesus is just you. It wasn't just your idea. Where'd you get that idea from? There are principalities and powers in places we cannot see that are moving us into do things that are unlike the way of Jesus. And here's the invitation, folks. You can mock it. You can laugh. You say that's old school. That's taking the Bible literally. And when in doubt, I just say, like, if it said it, then believe it. Because it's real. And if you read C.S. Lewis's uh, book on demons, you realize he does it in, great, in a great poetic and literary way that we are so unaware of what our enemy is doing. And the enemy is trying to keep us asleep. And as long as you're asleep, you can't resist. You can't oppose. But if you wake up to who God is, you remember that the biblical picture is a garden followed by a war zone followed by a garden. A garden followed by a war zone followed by a greater, more of a garden-like city where God and his people dwell. But right now between the death and resurrection of Jesus where the victory was won and the time where Jesus returns, we are still in a war zone. There's a battle that's unseen. Now, most of the time, here's the, here's the hard part. Most of the time, you're not going to feel a dark presence. You're not going to see some things lurking in the corner. Most of the time, it's going to be unseen and very subtle. But you remember how subtle the tempter was early on in the Bible. He didn't reveal himself fully to Adam and Eve. He came and simply suggested, did God really say? Is God really good, Adam? Isn't he holding back? Do you know there are things that that God probably isn't letting you in on because he's holding it for himself? But do you know that you, you can discover these things on your own? And the devil simply wants us to question God and his goodness. And so most of his attacks are not overt, are not blatant, are not obvious. That's why we could be lulled into sleep and not even realize who's influencing us. Now, 
At the same time, friends, you don't have to be obsessed. You don't have to walk around afraid. If you follow and love Jesus, guess what? You have the Holy Spirit. God's presence is dwelling in you and with you and around you. And when there are things going on in your world that you are like, I don't know if that's right. You don't have to cry out to the heavens and say, God, help me. You could just say, Holy Spirit of God, is this from you? Where's this coming from? This does not seem or feel right. Adam and Eve gave in to the subtle, sly temptations to believe a lie. And the beginning of all of our sinfulness is ignoring what is true and believing what is untrue. And so what God says to us is always right and good and true. And so I don't have to look far to know where is this influence coming from? Is this thought, is this idea, is this way of living, is this next step, if this, is this attitude, is this response from God or not? Because God's revealed to us enough about himself to know what's right and good and true. All I have to do is know what's right and good and true. And anything in opposition to that is not coming from God. It's coming from the devil. And I, as a Jesus person, don't have to give in. Now, here's the bad news. If you do not yet belong to Jesus, you are under the power of the devil. Now, that sounds old school. You're like, what? He actually, yes. You are, the Bible describes, blinded to the truth and cannot see the light of the good news of the glory of the resurrected Jesus Christ. But when you respond in faith to Jesus, the blindness is gone and you're Eyes are open to God for who he is. Jesus is Lord of all, and he wants to be Lord of your life. And once you receive Jesus Christ by faith, you do not have to follow. Now, sometimes we do follow the works of the enemy, and we can repent and come back and say, God, like Adam and Eve, I I blew it. I'm guilty. I'm coming back. And that's what you see in Adam and Eve. Even though they did sin, God did not get rid of them. There were consequences, but he still worked in and with and through them, and the same could be said for us. I love how James puts it. It's so clear and blunt. James 4, 7 and 8. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will what? Flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Notice, the picture isn't me fighting spiritual forces. It's not like I'm going to the ring with my Jesus gloves on and I get in the ring and it's me and I'm fighting the devil and you know, we're, we're duking it out. No, that is not the picture. I don't put on gloves. What do I do? I draw near to God. That's why it says in Peter, how do we resist the devil? Standing firm in the faith. Standing firm in God. When I draw near to God, God draws near to me. And how do I do that? Like, this is like theory or reality? We, we learn God's ways. Well, how do I draw near to God? I know what God has said. I know what God is like. I know what God has done. I know what God is doing. And so Jesus' simple but profound invitation makes sense. When you think of the reality of angels and demons and God and the devil, Jesus told his disciples what? Follow me. Follow me. 
Align yourself to me. Listen to me. Be guided by me. Watch me. Pattern your life. After, when, when we live in a way that is drawing near to Jesus, that is the way, friends, that we resist the devil. God will fight our battles. He could take out any principality and power. It's not going toe-to-toe. It's not even. There's Jesus versus the devil and all demonic powers, and they're all defeated. They don't have anything on him. But they can have something on you if you draw near to them. Um, I'll, I'll make a, a parallel that might, might be overkill, but work with me here. I think I've just seen a trend. I've seen a trend over the last couple of years of because the life that we live has been so disrupted, we've been wandering, many of us, just wandering on what we think, what we believe, how we're going to live, how we're going to pattern our life. And I've seen lots of people reshuffle and reshape their view of everything in light of a life-changing event. We're going to look back. For those of us who are here 10, 20, 30 years from now, you can look back and you're going to see how profound the last few years have been. We're still walking through it. We're still kind of dumbstruck a little bit, shell-shocked. But there's been so much disruption. But can I say to you as someone who loves Jesus and deeply loves you, some of you have picked up patterns, mindsets, and ideas that are not from God. Ways of living. Ideas about the Bible, ideas about God's people that are not shaped and saturated in Scripture. They're not Spirit-inspired. They're not in in alignment with the way of the Master. And, And with that, here's the challenge. What you believe will drive how you live. And unfortunately, I see too many moving in directions away from Jesus and his people. And friends, just look at the fruit. Examine the fruit. And you will find less love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and self-control because the devil wants to tell you let go live free why are you letting those ancient ideas guide your life you know in your heart what's better don't let them tell you that's wrong who believes that anyway Billions of people around the world. Why, why don't you just try? And all that doing that, what has that really gotten you? Really? So you're like, dude, you've been reading my mind. The enemy is subtle. And seasons of suffering can confuse us. I want you to make a little mental note here. Peter connects their season of suffering with the work of the devil. Now hear me clearly. Not all suffering directly comes from evil powers. But some suffering does. But it makes no difference. Whenever we're in periods of suffering, we begin to wonder about the goodness of God. So he says to a very suffering church, stand firm in the faith. 
Put your heels deep in Jesus because the devil is roaring and he's trying to devour and he's trying to move you away from your confidence in the goodness of God because of the badness all around you or the sadness that's deep in your soul. Remember this, Jesus is more powerful than the devil and all demons combined. And so, friend, lean in. And if you find yourself swaying away and going down the tidal flow of where everyone seems to be headed, it is okay to jump out of those waters and walk on dry land and find your footing in God. So stay awake is the first thing. Resist is the second thing. And finally, the third thing is, is the positive dimension. How do we move into a deepness and a richness in God? Third thing, write it down, is receive from God day by day. Remember, 1 Peter 5, 10 and 11, and the God of all grace, the God who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered for a little while, will himself restore you, and he'll make you strong, firm, and steadfast, and to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. How often do we need God? How often do you need God? Let me, let me ask you, how needy would you describe yourself in terms of God right now? Do you find yourself content or are there dimensions of who he is and things and ways that you've yet to see that you are longing for? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So there will be seasons and, and let me be clear, Peter tells us, your circumstances might not change tomorrow. To resist the devil does not mean that Jesus is going to give you everything on your timeline. That's not how this works. Your circumstances might not change for a week. It might not change for another month. It may not change for another decade. And, you're, and you're the root of what's going on, it may never change. But here's what you can do day by day. You can receive the grace of God, the goodness of God. God's grace will make you strong. God's grace will make you firm. God's grace will make you stable. God's grace will give you power to resist. And if you hold firmly to Jesus, he's going to bring you through, which is why Peter ends, to him be glory forever and ever. And Peter knew this firsthand himself. In his own life, he had, he had gone off but Jesus drew him back. Peter knew what it was like to suffer while he was going out, sharing good news and planting churches. He's seeing healing come through his life. People are being miraculously restored when Peter comes to town and they're trying to kill him at the same time. Explain this to me. Explain. Peter's devoted to doing good and being maligned by people who say they follow Jesus. But you know what? Peter was able to tap into the grace of God. And can I just say to you, there's grace for you. God's mercy is here for you. God's love is bigger than your trouble. And, and God's power is more powerful than your inability to change anything. God is for you and he's not against you. Mom, Jesus is looking after you even as you're trying to figure out where those kids are. 
He is, he's, he's looking after you when you are depleted of all energy by eight in the morning because they kept you up all night. He is with you. You can find grace for today and grace for tomorrow. So what's our response? We're to turn to him. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So Peter's closing line is just a beautiful summary of everything we've talked about these last few months. And I just want to leave it with you. He says, quote, I have written to you briefly, Peter did it in one letter, it's taken us like three months, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. And, and what's his call to the church? Stand fast in it. Stand firm in it. Stand strong in it. And God's grace is enough to bring you through. All right, some, some avenues of response. Uh, you've come in this morning and there's just some stuff on your heart and your mind that's very real. Can I just say that there's grace for you? What does that grace look like? We have a team of people who volunteer and pray for you before you show up and pray for themselves to say, God, if there's anything you want me to do to pray blessing and life and love, I'm available. And these friends are here and our prayer team is here. Look, just because it's Mother's Day and you're a mom doesn't mean you have to stand strong by yourself. As a matter of fact, the greatest thing we can do to fight the devil is to stand firm in the word of God and when I'm getting pelted, grab some Jesus people and walk together. And when we walk together, it's why we're doing community group. It's why we're going to talk about this this week and list out how we can support each other against the attacks of the enemy and stand firm in the faith. If you need prayer for anything, our prayer team is here. Um, we're going to take communion in a few moments because we believe that the body and the blood of Jesus is enough to cleanse us from all sin. If you if you've yet to respond in faith to Jesus Christ, do that this morning. There's grace to rescue you from darkness and bring you into the kingdom of light, from your sin and your past and your shame into God's love and mercy and new life. Receive it, receive it, receive it. And we're all going to take, those of us who follow Jesus, we're going to take and eat and we're going to remind ourselves of the true grace of God and we're going to walk out in God's victory because Jesus defeated the works of the devil. Amen? This is good news and very weird on Mother's Day, but I like it. Because every mom needs to be reminded of the grace of God and every dad and every single person and every young one. Lord, where would we be apart from your grace? God, we're calling on you. Your favor that we don't deserve. Your empowering presence that we can't make up, but it's real. Lord, we're calling on you now. We need you. God, you, knew, you know each person watching on screen, watching and participating in this room, and you know our needs. You know them before we even ask for them. God, I'm asking you by your grace to encounter each one in your way of love that is so unique and so specific that we would know that we 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 have received from you God, in our knower, wherever that is, deep within us. God, we want to know your nearness. So will you meet us in that place? As we open up the Bible, Holy Spirit of God, we want to see you and your glory. 
and the beauty of Jesus and the love of the Father. So God, we're asking you as we draw near to you now in response, that you would draw near to us. God, meet us in our place of brokenness. For those of us who just feel defeated, Lord, remind us of the truth. In Christ, we already have the victory. Remind us, Holy Spirit, we pray. If you believe any of that, I'm going to invite you to rise to your feet. Even now in the room, we're going to sing songs of praise and take the bread and the cup. I'm going to invite you now here in the building. Make your way right now, as is how we take communion each week. If you're new, we go to the tables, we pick it up. This is the body of Jesus broken for us. This is the cup, the blood of Jesus shed for us. I'm going to invite you now just to walk all around the room, there are stations that have the bread and the cup. And then when you take it, please bring it back. We'll take it together as a family after the song. For those of you who that this is your church home, I'm going to invite you to give generously week after week, month after month. Why? God loves a cheerful giver. And he loves it when his kids follow his way and live for the blessing of others. I invite you to give your tithes and your offerings. Most of us do it online. If you're online, you can click the give button. If you're in the room, most of you will do it on your phone or on your computer. But if not, there's a bowl at the back at the Get Connected table where you can give there. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your kindness. We want to respond with worship and hearts filled with praise.